Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers and devotees. The great Matt Geib here with you once again for another episode of the Kingdom Corner podcast. And as you know, we've been going through this summer, the uh, spring and summer, the book of Philippians. And we are in the end of chapter 2, the last 11 verses. And I just find this a very fitting portion of Scripture to end this chapter. Uh, which was all about the theme of that chapter. Chapter 2 was the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ. And we have spent quite a lot of time on that, three or four episodes, and it's just amazing to me how Paul put this all together. And when I looked at this simple portion of Scripture, Philippians 2, 19 to 30 today, let's just read that and then I'll make some more comments it's just some things struck me about this simple portion of Scripture. <clears throat> Philippians 2, 19-30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. Verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Aphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me as well, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28, <clears throat> I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men. Verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Philippians 2, 19 to 30, that completes chapter 2, and it's just a beautiful portion of Scripture. When we first look at it, it just seems so simple. It's just a travel itinerary, really, of three men. Paul, Timothy, and Aphroditus, and how they worked in the church of Philippi, and how they served Paul, these two men, Aphroditus and Timothy, doesn't seem like there's much there. But when we really look a little deeper and kind of just uh, perceive a little deeper in the Spirit, there, this is a beautiful conclusion to this chapter. And I'm just going to reiterate, you know, this chapter was all about addressing um, what seemed to be a problem in the in the Philippian church. The Philippian church was probably Paul's best church, the church of Philippi, the ones that loved him most, the ones he received a love offering from, um, which he received from few other churches just because 
you know, that, that was a lot of times um, looked at as what the, um, you know, what false teachers did trying to fleece people for money. And Paul never wanted to do that, but he did receive a gift from them. And it was Ephroditus who brought the gift. We'll see later, I think, in chapter four, how that all played out. And, you know, there was a minor problem that Paul began to address in chapter two. Uh, and it involved two ladies. We've talked about them. Euodia or Eudiah and Syntyche, or we called them odious and soon touchy. And uh, some commentators believe they were soloists that had a conflict with each other about who should get to sing the most or who was the best singer. We don't really know. But he began in this chapter to really address this, you know, not so much in a direct way to them, but I'm sure uh, he personally took them aside and the elders there, Ephroditus, maybe Timothy also, and talked to them. Um, of course, I don't know that he could, but Ephroditus and Timothy, because Paul at this time was under house arrest. But we started out in the first part of the chapter, you know, about having the mind of Christ and what it was to let mind be. Let this mind be, or literally let mind be, uh, of assimilating the mind of Christ into our own mind. You know, that we could have the mind of Christ in every situation. And then from there, that presupposes that that brings us into what we would call a kenosis or totally emptying of self-encounter. You know, to really put somebody ahead of ourselves, to really think of our brethren ahead of ourselves, causes us to empty ourselves out, even to the point that, that Jesus, as our example, he died on the cross, we died to self. And then the, the beautiful portion in 12 and 13 about, you know, work out your own salvation. We talked about that last time with fear and trembling and, and, um, for God's at work in you. You know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you know, and, and God will, let me read that verse 13 um, right to you as we go on here. Um, 12, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, because he's, he's in a house arrest, he's not there, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and through his good pleasure. And we talked about that, how it's God that we, we need to, as we, as we let mine be, the mind of Christ be in us, as we empty ourselves out, as we die to self, then we can really understand what it is for God to work inside of us and not strive in the flesh. We talked about that. That's a, a beautiful lesson. You need to go back and listen to it. I don't think many Christians understand the difference between, uh, you know, where their self-effort, you know, what that means as opposed to God working in us. It's simply making ourselves available for the Spirit to work inside of us. Just like a, uh, just like a, a musician makes himself available, you know, to practice. You know, we got to make ourselves available to God so he can work in us. And then I think this portion of scripture today, though at first glance, may, maybe men who wouldn't think that, it's just a beautiful way to end, you know, this chapter with the theme of, you know, having the mind of Christ, you know, and all those things by giving us examples, real life examples of Paul and of his two ministerial servants, friends, ministers, 
Ephroditus and his son in the faith, Timothy. He gave us real-life examples, real uh, in-the-flesh examples of men that were men of God. And I titled this lesson today, Sainthood. What is sainthood? Or um, what constitutes sainthood? What constitutes sainthood? Uh, and we've heard a lot about that over the years. If you've been a Christian or been in the church, what is what is sainthood? And uh, you can go look it up. And the thing that comes to my mind, and probably to yours when you think of sainthood, is the Catholic Church. They've went through many rituals and a long process uh, to choose out all these men and even women as saints over the years. And uh, so much to, you know, the lot of tests and trials they put these people through and looking at their lives kind of, kind of like a with a fine-tooth comb to see if they, you know, really measure up. And then it, it got it's gotten to the point over the years, sadly, where in the Catholic Church, not, not all Catholics, I'm sure, but in a lot of places they've worshipped these saints. And, and when we're talking about examples of men of God, of women of God, yes, imitate them, honor them, look up to them, take from their example, but they would never, a true saint of God would never ever want you to set them on a pedestal and worship them. And I think we could we could go off on a rabbit trail. We could go off on a, you know, a bully pulpit of mine that I've seen over the years where some ministers out there in the ministry, they lose sight of that and they get lifted up. You know, I was in a church like that where they get lifted up in their own, you know, selves to the point where they almost think they're, you know, Jesus Christ the second, and we don't ever want that to happen. A minister of God, man, woman, should be a humble servant. And that's what this lesson's about today. Paul wants to send two messengers to Philippi as examples of those who emulate Christ. Timothy, uh, this is chapter 2, verses 19 to 24, and Ephroditus, chapter 2, 25 to verse 30. And we're going to Look that look at that a little bit more closely now. Um, the Holy Spirit wanted this included uh, in this um, chapter two um, for our admonition, for our benefit, and there's a reason why it's here. It's not just a simple itinerary. There's more to it than that. When you take the theme of the whole chapter two, like I just reviewed for you into into the context of it, it just really makes this come alive. What constitutes true sainthood? Let's look at these men today and see. A mundane travel itinerary of three ministers used by the Holy Spirit to further illustrate truth, okay? Um, we continue well, uh, continued on well on the theme we've been touching on uh, in different facets, laying down our life for Christ, right? Let mine be, the kenosis encounter, God working in us. And we see this in these men here. Mark 10.45, and we're talking of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's true sainthood. That's what these men uh, exemplified by their service to the church at Philippi. In this short passage, Paul, Timothy, and Ephroditus illustrate men who had a servant's heart, though all of them had different personalities. We can all be ourselves in the faith 
who we are personally that God created us to be, created us to be, and still show forth the attributes of God, right? Um, the attributes of what it means to be a saint. Cultivating a servant's heart centered on Jesus. That's what we're talking about here in this uh, portion of Scripture. This just this simple itinerary. It's so beautiful. <clears throat> Verses 19 and 24, we'll pull those out. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. So he's sending Timothy, all right, to see how they're doing. He's sending him from where Paul is at, under house arrest in Rome. Uh, Timothy was there serving at Paul's side, helping him out with different ministerial things, I'm sure. And then verse 24 also says about, about Timothy here. We'll pull that out again. I trust in the Lord um, that, well, this is about Paul, that I might be able to come as well shortly. So this is about Timothy. Um, it's not a flippant thing that, that he did here, that Paul's doing. Just say, okay, we got this ministry to do. I'll just send Timothy. Later on, I'll send Ephroditus. It was something that that he had to seek God on because Timothy was there in Rome serving him, okay? Uh, probably setting up ministerial meetings with other men that would come in and see Paul as he's under house arrest. Probably maybe he was like a research, um, you know, a researcher for Paul, research things for Paul's messages. You know, he was there to help and serve Paul in that way. So it must he must have really had to seek the Lord about whether this was what he was to do, to send Timothy. <clears throat> 21 and 22. Uh, well, let's look at verse. Timothy also served the Lord. Uh, let's let's re read 20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He's talking about his son in the faith, Timothy. Uh, Timothy served the Lord. He didn't seek his own interests. Um, and he helped, and he had been helping Paul, like I said, in the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, um, chapter one, verse twelve. We talked about the furtherance of the gospel that Paul was experiencing there, as he, you know, witnessed the Protarian, Protarian guard, the Roman guard there that were, that um, would watch him twenty-four hours a day. So we talked about that in a previous lesson, uh, and then we go on here. But you know his proven character. As a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. I hope to send him to you. I hope that I can come too, he says. I'm paraphrasing. Now let's go to verse 25 and talk about Aphroditus. Yet I considered, <coughs> excuse me, I considered it necessary to send you Aphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and the one who ministered to my need. And uh, this, this is such a beautiful picture here. He sent Ephroditus, who, Ephroditus, let me give you a little background on him. He was probably the head elder of the church at Philippi, maybe the pastor, uh, maybe even an apostle. We don't know for sure. But he was one of the main ministers of the, in the church of Philippi. And um, he, he was also seeing Paul at the time. He had come to Paul uh, we're going to find out later with a gift of money, you know, and he he ministered to Paul in this way by bringing him the gift by bring of money, by bringing him love and support there in Rome, and Paul was getting ready to send him back. He was an example of servant leadership. 
and we're going to get into this, ministered, okay? Let's look at this word. Before I knew his proven character, that's, that's about Timothy, I considered it necessary to send you Ephroditus, um, end of verse 25, he ministered to my need. Minister, lighter goss. The word is translated both minister and service in the Greek. We get our word liturgy. You know, that seems like a, maybe a bus, right? Um, a dry, dead word, liturgy. Um, because we've heard it in church, you know, maybe the Catholic or Lutheran church, we'd read the liturgy. You know, we read these um, sayings from a book. You know, the pastor reads it, and then we recite it. That's kind of what we're talking about, liturgy to us. Um, but here, it, 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 the English word liturgy from this word not only has to do with that, but has to do with service, adoration, and veneration. He ministered. He served me. He honored me. He showed me adoration in a proper sense. He wasn't worshiping Paul. Romans 12.1 comes to mind, you know, um, when we're talking about service, you know, um, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, which is your spiritual service or worship. And, and he was serving in that way. He was giving his life, and, and such a beautiful, beautiful picture here, because we find that along the way, Ephroditus must have gotten really, really sick. And yet he still pushed on to bring that love gift to Paul. He still pushed on because he also had it on his heart, I'm sure, um, to bring ministry uh, to Paul while he was under house arrest there. He put his life in danger because it says in this passage that he almost died. He was sick unto death, you know, um, and he almost died. And it, 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 it really scared Paul. We don't really understand that. You know, Paul had his thorn in the flesh. He wrote about another person, I think, in Corinthians that was sick, that he prayed for, that didn't get healed. Here, I'm sure they prayed for Ephroditus, and he wasn't healed. He was sick. He had to get over this sickness. So he put himself in danger. He pushed through even though he was really sick. You know, let's go on. Um, he pushed through even though he was really sick. We can look further um, in this passage and, and go on and get some more things out of it. Um, some of the points that I wrote down that really are exemplified by Paul, Ephroditus, and Timothy here. The servants of God are willing to go anywhere. Okay? They're willing to serve anyone, number two. They're willing to sacrifice anything. So I'm sure Timothy, he said yes to going, but he probably didn't want to leave his father Paul because he'd been there in Rome serving him while Paul was under house arrest. And think of Ephroditus. He pushed through even though he was really sick to get to Paul with that love gift and with um, what was on his heart to minister to Paul. He put himself at risk. You know, when you look into it, we're going to look into it further. We'll see how much, you know, what that was like. And they're willing to sacrifice anything. They're willing to go anywhere, willing to serve anyone, willing to sacrifice anything. So they're willing to serve anyone, you know, both Timothy and Aphrodite. You know, it was just one man, Paul, 
um, you know, but they were willing to go. And it didn't matter if it was a big crowd or just Paul or one person, they were willing to do what the Lord said to do. And I, I'm reminded of Philip in Acts 8, 5 to 8. You can read about that. He came down there into Samaria, preached the gospel. Many got saved. And then <clears throat> he went on, right? He, he got James and John to come down there and give the second blessing, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, bring that into fruition in Samaria. You know, some ministers would have gotten upset at that by um leaving, you know, God had him leave then, uh, but he was wanting to do what God said, Philip was. And that's the reason why, you know, he came upon that chariot. God told him to run up on the chariot, and he witnessed to the, um, the, the, the that man from Ethiopia, the, the eunuch, and the man got saved. And perhaps, like my one ministerial friend said, maybe the whole Ethiopian nation was saved because of Philip's obedience. Imagine if he felt left out because they don't think I'm good enough to bring the whole word of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But no, he went on. And that's he caught up to the Ethiopian and brought the message, right? So he was willing to serve anyone. And they're willing to sacrifice anything. Um, am I reminded of that scripture where Paul said, you know, about these men of God, about Philip, about Timothy, about Ephroditus, be instant in in season and out of season, you know, um, whatever God is calling, you know, like I'm also thinking of the example of the Samaritan, you know, so many religious leaders passed him by where, where he was on the road beaten and in need of, of comfort and in need of somebody binding up his wounds and they passed him by, but the good Samaritan stopped, right? and ministered to his need. Um, he was willing uh, to sacrifice. He was willing to minister to anyone. And the Samaritans, the Jews didn't care for the Samaritans. We know that. Are, do we have that heart? Are we willing to go where God wants us to go? You know, oh, some of us, we may want to preach to big crowds in that. But what about your neighbor? What about that poor widow down the street in need? Hmm. Let's go on. A servant's heart puts others ahead of himself for the sake of Christ. That's just what Timothy did by leaving Paul, you know, and especially Ephroditus. What an example. We're going to get into this more. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, Paul said, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I, that I can finish the race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. Okay? A servant's heart puts others ahead of himself for Christ's sake. Think of it from Paul's standpoint, you know. Perhaps he didn't, you know, he would have wanted to hold on to Timothy, maybe even Ephroditus, because um, they were serving him, you know. Timothy was bringing him, you know, setting up his meetings with other people, possibly, and helping him research his messages, you know. Um, verse 2, 2.22, let's read that again. But you know his proven character. We're talking about, Paul's talking about his son in the faith, Timothy. That as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Um, um, some versions say his exceptional character. He was exceptional. And Paul was willing to send his favorite son 
uh, to serve the people at Philippi. Verse 30, let's look at Ephroditus then, having that servant's heart. <clears throat> because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In other words, he brought, he brought the gift of money to them, but also ministry, you know, encouraging um, in the word, encouraging in, uh, in the faith to Paul. Uh, the Philippian church sent their head elder, their apostle, their minister to Paul. This is an amazing thing because uh, when you look at this um, scripture, Paul said, Ephroditus ministered to my need. This man ministered to Paul's needs on once to the point of endangering his own life because he, can't, he, he pressed on through to come uh, to Paul there where he was at in house arrest on behalf of the Philippi church, representing them, he wasn't regarding his life simply because he, he got sick along the way. So sick that he was in danger of dying. And the way the Greek language conveys this is even though he got sick, it's like a gambling term when a gambler puts all his chips on the table or all his money on the table and he just throws caution to the wind. That's what Ephroditus did. I mean, Possibly, I'm sure they had prayed that he would get well. I'm sure he was praying along the way that he would get healed. But he wasn't getting healed, and he didn't stop. He just threw all caution to the wind to get to Paul. No concern for himself was shown because of his great love for Paul. Greater love has no man than this to, than to lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. You know, he was sick. Uh, and and the, the beautiful thing about the way this turns out, he didn't even want the, those, you know, when he got to Paul, he was pretty sick, but he didn't even want the people, his, his, uh, his um, congregation there back at Philippi to know so they would worry about him. And a lot of times when we're sick and under the weather, we want people to come around and show us attention and feel sorry. Well, no, he didn't want them to know because he didn't want to worry them, you know. Wow, wow, what a what an example. He was sick to the death and he still pressed on. <clears throat> you know, reckless abandon with the way he pressed on and got to Paul. Let's go back to verse 20. For I have no one, we're talking about Timothy now, like-minded. This this is kind of amazing. I had nobody else to send, Paul said. I had nobody else that had that exceptional, you know, the, one of the phrases to describe Timothy in this. Uh, one of the translations says he was exceptional. He was an exceptional man. I have no one like-minded or as exceptional as Timothy, who will sincerely care for your state. For all they others seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And then verse 22, but you know his proven character. Let's talk about this for a minute. Interesting, about five years prior, um, Paul, close to the start of his ministry, was back in uh, Rome, and if you go through chapter 16 of Rome, you'll find out all, see a lot, there must be a dozen people listed that Paul, you know, calls out in honor, people that helped him in the ministry, Aquila and Priscilla, Ephenatus, you know, Aquila and Priscilla, he called his helper, helpers, beloved helpers, Ephenatus, his beloved, you know, servant, Mary, Andricus, he called, you know, he honors all them, 
whole big list of people. And yet out of all those people, he sends Timothy, his son in the faith. You know, he's the only one it seemed like he, that Paul really trusted with the church at Philippi. Isn't that amazing? You know, no one else to send. You know, out of all his ministry buddies, Timothy was the only one that he really trusted that he knew would not be selfish and seek his own after his own, you know, needs and his own way. That's amazing. You know, can they say that about us when we minister, that we don't seek our own, that we're totally selfless? That's what chapter 2 is all about, the emptying out, the gnosis encounter. Let this mind be. That's what, that's, these guys are examples of what we went over earlier in the chapter, if you go back and listen to those episodes. So beautiful. So beautiful. No one else to send. Isn't that amazing? When we're talking about Timothy being proven, that's that's an interesting scripture too. It's like he was tested. He was tested. Kind of like there was an old commercial when I was a kid about <clears throat> the big pen, and they'd put it on the bottom of a of a skate, and they'd have the person skate on it. I think that's that I'm right about this, or maybe it was the watch. You know, they did things with this watch, Timex watch, and at the end they they would do this test and really treat it brutally. And at the end, they'd say the watch was still ticking, or the big pen took a lick, licking and was still would write. Um, that's kind of the picture of Timothy. He was tested, even at that young of age. He was proven in, in in the testing. He'd stood up under the test. You know, he was genuine. You could say he brought the goods. You know, um, so that's that's this <coughs> this lesson. Let's finish it up. I got a few more points. Um, there's three ways we can test ourselves to see if we're like Timothy, where we're not seeking, you know, for our own benefit. We're not seeking to have our own selves puffed up. <clears throat> One, a servant, true servant, has heartfelt love for those you minister to. You know, all these guys, Aphrodite, Paul, Timothy, they were all compelled by love. I'm sure Paul if he was selfish, wouldn't want to send those two guys back to Philippi. They were ministering to him, you know. They were serving him. <clears throat> I'm sure Aphrodite could have stopped along the way because he was sick, but he was compelled by love to get to Paul and bring that gift and bring ministry to Paul. You know, we're talking about, the word says here that uh, of Aphrodite, he was distressed. And that's the same word that was used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was distressed in his health. Jesus was distressed when he was under the, you know, the great trial right before, you know, the cross. You know, all things, Romans 8, 28, Paul said, work together for good to them that love God or called according to his purpose. Um, Philippians 4, if we can read that. Or just put this about having heartfelt love for those you minister to. If we could just read that real quick. Four, six, and seven. I'll read that to you. Four, six, and seven. All right. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. See, Paul was totally trusting in the Lord because he loved them so much. You know, he knew that God would work it out. 
Paul was not afraid to express his love for these two men. That's obvious when we uh, read this passage, how much he cared for them, how much he was so worried for Ephroditus' health, you know, and I'm sure he was really concerned for sending uh, Timothy away as well. Okay, so that's one. The way to test if, if you're selfish or not, a real servant of God, one, you have heartfelt love for those you minister to. Let's go to the next point. Um, we're finishing. We're going to finish up here. You show genuine concern. You're not seeking your own interests. And that was a hallmark of the character of Timothy and the character of all these men. Number three, you work cooperatively together with others. Timothy allowed Paul to send him. I, I don't know if he argued very much. He probably did in love, argued with him. Oh, I don't want to leave you. I want to stay here and serve you. Ephroditus, you know, went beyond the call of duty when we look at him, you know. Um, but they were all working together, you know, as men of God, as as prophets, teachers. You know, I believe Ephroditus was, was probably a pastor for sure, Paul the apostle, Timothy a teacher, uh, pastor. And they were all worked in harmony with each other. Number three, um, what shows that we're not selfish? Um, uh, well, I'm sorry. I just said those three points. Let me reiterate them. There's a heartfelt love for those you minister to. That's shown in this passage. You will show genuine concern, and you don't. And that's what they did. They didn't think of themselves. Either one of those men, uh, Timothy and Ephroditus, even Paul, and they work cooperatively together. These three. That's so beautifully shown in this verse. They weren't at odds with each other. They weren't in disunity. And and this is. Uh, the end of this chapter, and this is wrapping this up so well, as these people, you know, regular people like you and I that called of God, they were working together. Unlike, you know, um, the two ladies that we talked about that had that issue. That was an example he was pulling out, and I believe God was using that to show the church of Philippi how they were working together. Let's, let's just wrap this up now. <clears throat> Please know, you know, in the ministry, when you're ministering, when you're involved with people, and the things that go on in this life, there will be there will be hardships that we have to deal with. Paul was under house arrest. Paul sent his son of the faith away, who'd been so helpful helpful to him. Ephroditus, even though they prayed for him, I'm sure it says he was sick to the death, and he was that worried Paul. And yet Paul called Ephroditus a fellow soldier. And that term, I think, is used uh, just to show that um, the character of Ephroditus, that, you know, he was soldiering on through his sickness. Um, I'm sure that that sickness was an attack of the enemy to try to stop the ministry and the ministry to Paul. Timothy was of proven character. And we talked about that word, that testing. You know, he was proven. He was tested. And then we could read uh, Romans 5, 3, and 4. It's like this scripture, when we're talking about Timothy's proven character. Not only so, this is Romans 5, 3 and 4, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame, <clears throat> because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That was taking place there. The love was growing through this ministry, uh, through this service, these men were 
um, accomplishing to each other and to the church at Philippi. And it, they, it was being tested, of course, like we said. It had been tested, you know, by, by this trial, Aphrodite's sickness and, and Paul's uh, being under house arrest. Um, some, like I said, some translations, they like to use the word exceptional when they're talking about Timothy. He was an, of an exceptional character. Mm. Hardship comes both from within and without. Others had tried to undermine Paul. We saw that before. We've talked about that. You know, the, Paul was under house arrest, and they were out there, uh, you know, taking advantage of the situation. They were selfish, ministering the gospel, but it was for selfish. You know, they wanted to lift themselves up. I believe that's in chapter 1. And yet Paul still rejoiced because the gospel was going forth. Um, he was in prison, okay? And he went, not only that, but you you know the track record of Paul, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29, talks about all the trials he went through in his ministry. Beaten three times, 39 lashes, three different times. Shipwrecked. Um, all kind of things that you can read that, you know, his great trial he went through to be an apostle and to serve the people of God. And then I'm going to end up here with two scriptures um, I think we have here. 2 Timothy 5, 17 and 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And we're talking about a servant. The last thing I'll say about these servants, they will be honored. In the day of Jesus Christ, they will be honored. 2 Timothy 5, 17 speaks to Timothy and also to Aphrodite. Uh, and it talks about an elder or a teacher is worthy of double honor, a pastor, a teacher, a minister, elder, worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in the word and doctrine. And then 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8, this is Paul even speaking of himself. I fought the good fight. I'm ready to go home to heaven. And I know Jesus has laid up a crown of righteousness for me, paraphrasing that. So we had a beautiful picture to end the chapter 2, um, Christ being in our mind, uh, we having the mind of Christ, and what that all meant. And we have these two living examples that God um, inspired Paul by the Holy Spirit to include, include in this beautiful letter, the primer to joy, the primer to joy, Philippians. We're going to talk about that more. The primer to joy is to truly put yourself out there, not even thinking of yourself and serving others. So, my friends, be blessed. Until next time, amen. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.